Hey everybody, Jim Sammons here. This week on Kayak Fishing Tales, we're bringing to you another of our Facebook Live shows. Uh, we've got Jen Riddle, the publisher of Done Fly Fishing Magazine with us. We're gonna talk about fly fishing, women in fishing, and just anything fishing. Stick around. Hey everybody, Jim Sammons here from the Kayak Fishing Show Live. Thank you for joining us. The Kayak Fishing Show live, as always, brought to you by Ballast Point <laughs> Brewing Company. Today, I'm uh, going with the Grunion, my buddy uh, Ulf's favorite of them. It's a real good, tasty one. Uh, how many of you guys get to drink at work? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so... I am super stoked uh, for our upcoming guest, but I wanted to ask you guys a favor here really quick, and that is, um, wow, my thing disappeared. Oh, there we go. Um, if you guys can share our posts, and not only share our posts, but share our page. Uh, Facebook has done quite a number on stomping on the reach of a lot of pages and stuff, and um, you know, we're trying to get this out to as many people as possible. People are interested. So if you know people are interested in fishing, kayak fishing, anything along that lines, please share it with your friends because uh, that really helps us out a lot. Uh, the better our reach, the better our sponsors like it, the more stuff we can do that's cool. So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, uh, Jen Ripple. Jen, how are you? I know I you had a little, had a little uh, connectivity issue, so you had to jump in your car <laughs> and go... Uh, it's not Find exactly something. scenic, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was so pretty where you were. Um, she she got she came on. This is Baxter. She came online a few minutes ago, and she had beautiful trees and all that behind her. And then all of a sudden, everything locked up, got pixelated, and just bad signal. So she jumped in her car, being the good sport that she is, and uh, ran off to find a better signal. So yeah, I I'm sitting that. in the sitting in the parking lot of the only grocery store in my town called Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly, uh, and you are in Tennessee. I am, Dover, Tennessee. So, um, first off, we, uh, oh, and we got Tom saying hi from Little Roadie. Okay. Hi, Tom. Uh, Andrew says he loves Grunion. Yeah, it's 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 a good one. It's, it's very tasty. I would offer you one, Jen, but, you know, you're driving. I'm really jealous too because I had it already at my house, and then I was like, "No, I gotta go leave." <laughs> I'll make up so, for it. Don't worry. So um, Jen is the publisher, editor, and probably wears a lot of hats at Dunn Fly Fishing Magazine, right? Yep. Um, and I'm sure the question you get as much as any other question: Why is it called Dunn? Oh, good question. And, you know, so for a number of reasons. For me, when I started the magazine, it was the hardest thing in the world to pick the name, right? So because once you pick it, you're stuck with it, whether you like it or you don't. So, oh, um, I don't know. Ask Wes Siegler about that. He's changed his <laughs> name several times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He feels my pain. Right. So I um, so I wanted a, a word that was a one-word title that was easy, honestly, to logo, you know, that I could put it on shirts and hats and that kind of stuff, and it wasn't going to cost me a fortune. Um, I wanted something that was fly fishing related, but something that also evoked some kind of like, like, what does that mean to people who didn't know it? You know, so when you see done, it's spelled D-U-N, like the mayfly. And um, 
but it because of the spelling people are like you spelled that wrong i'm like no i know how to spell done <laughs> <You know? laughs> um but it does that you know and then there's a lot of playing words for that that as well you know like get it done uh been there done that for our travel destination pages that kind of stuff so it just seemed to fit a whole bunch of different um personas that I wanted it to be. So done the stage of a mayfly. That's what it stands for. And of course in fly fishing, the mayfly is very uh, prominent bug. Uh, very cool. Uh, we got Daniel saying hello. Uh, Paul from Wisconsin saying hello. Uh, Hi, Paul. Sean, Ru Sean Russell in Texas saying good afternoon. Nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's the cool thing. I, I say it every time is like, we get people from all over the world watching these things and it's, and it's always really fun. Um, so what what inspired you to, I mean, start a magazine? I mean, it's particularly <laughs> nowadays where, you know, everybody says print is dead. You, know? you mean besides stupidity? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, right. So good question. Um, you know, I don't have a background in anything that is publishing or journalism or anything like that. I just knew that I love to fly fish. And, you know, today I think a lot of people get involved in fly fishing because they want to be, they want to get in the industry, right? They want to be in the industry somehow, get free gear, whatever. Um, that was not me. I never had any intention at all of being in the fly fishing industry. I started fly tying and loved it. And so then started fishing the Huron River when the ice was off the river um, one really cold spring. And just fell in love with everything that was fly. And from there started uh, writing a woman's column for a Midwest fly fishing magazine called a tight loop magazine. And then looked around for a woman's magazine to write for. And there wasn't one. So I thought, well, if I'm missing it, there are other people that are missing it as well. And so Dunn was born. And, uh, you know, I did it as a hobby at first. I, I just wanted, it was only online. And so it was completely free to read. And then after we've been around almost five years. And so after about the first two years, people started saying, where can I buy your magazine? When are you coming out with a print magazine? And so many people asked for so long that I thought, well, you know what? I'll give it a try. And it's been really, really good. I mean, for me, I knew we always had a real magazine, even though it was uh, digital. But there was just something about holding it in my hands that made it seem like even more of a real magazine. There it is. That. And there it is. There's a copy of it. And for people who have not seen it, I mean, this is a top quality magazine. Like I said, this is one of those magazines you get and you leave out on your coffee table. Super heavy quality paper, uh, high quality, high res photos. I mean, it's a real quality publication. Um, Thank you. Where, I mean, did you, did you just kind of feel that, that women were not addressed in the industry and you wanted to kind of yeah. help them? Oh, for sure. So the way that it started, you know, when I first started fishing about 12 years ago or so, there were, I didn't know any other women on the river. You know, there was one woman that I heard of that fished the same river, but I never saw her. And uh, in my in the fly shop that I was at, Colton Bay Outfitters in Ann Arbor, there were no women that came in, you know, at least not any of the times that I was in there. So for me, we were really an underserved population, not to mention, you know, when I first started, I had to, I had to wear kids waiters boys waiters because there were no waiters that fit me and there were no women's waiters that you could put on and had any technicality to them at all it was kind of like the first set of wait waiters for women came out and it was they pinked it and shrinked it and 
took all the technicality away because they felt like, oh, well, women are just out there reading a book on the side of the river when their husband is out there. And that's not what I was about at all. I mean, I wanted to fish. I fell in love with everything about it. And so, yeah, an underserved population for sure, even though the first book and fly fishing was written by a woman in the 15th century. That's that's amazing. Uh, Jimmy Chang says, Jen just wanted to say hello. Sorry, I have to run. Good to see you doing well. Um, Hi, Jimmy. Uh, Love to miss you. Jan- Janelle Fennin. What That's a beautiful my managing ma- editor. Oh, she says, what a beautiful magazine. Must have a ma- an awesome managing editor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Sean saying hi from Lincoln, England. Wow, hi, Sean. Uh, we have Mario checking in from uh, Brazil. And uh, Eric saying, hey, from um, South Carolina. Um we have Michael Guerrero. Fly fishing is a pain in the ass. I love, <laughs> but he says, is a pain in the ass. I love it. Never <laughs> looked back conventional. Love the salt on the fly too. Agreed. Yeah. You know, and, and we, you know, when we were fishing together and, you know, as I said, probably multiple times, like, why have we taken a sport that I love so much and made it such a pain in the ass? Yeah, right. <laughs> there is nothing easy about it. I mean, you know, and so for me, I mean, I love it. I wouldn't say I'm the most excellent caster or the best angler in the world at all, not even close, but I love it. But I, what I hate about it is the frustration. So I'm that angler that will cast and get stuck on a log in front of me and then roll cast my fly off only to get stuck in the tree behind me where I say more than a few expletives. And, uh, you know, but but for some reason, I can't explain I just love it and I just keep going back and maybe it's that challenge of not being so easy. That's what drew it to me, you know, besides the fact that I'm a little crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it is. And, and you add fly fishing from a kayak and that adds one more more element to it. And then kayak fishing off, you know, fly fishing off of a kayak in the wind, Yeah, you know, and, and then you're pulling your hair out. I think if you want to take someone for the first time fly fishing or fishing in general, it should be for a fly off a kayak in the wind. I mean, they're going to want to come back and do that. like Oh, every no, time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. can be frustrating. Yeah, and, and that's what, you know, it's like take them, take them someplace easy, you know, yeah. where, where, you, where you get a fish on that first time. And, you know, then you can. Uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to let you know, I did get an opportunity to watch our episode. I, I had I had to run uh, quality control on it, um, so uh, you know just looking for any errors, continuity stuff, and it, it actually, considering as tough as it was, it it was really good, and he got some great shots. Uh, backstory is Jen and I uh, waited a flat, and right when we got to the place, there was a snook cruising along the beach. And we called him our guide snook because we <laughs> followed that snook that would not eat, but he took us right to some bonefish. And yeah, it was I got, crazy. I got my first really sight casted uh, bonefish on the fly. So that was super cool. Yeah. But, and it was the, tough conditions. And it was like, there were not as many fish as you would expect. There were hardly any fish at all. So, I mean, that guide snook saved the day. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> took us right to the stingray. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was somebody else here. Uh Hey, Jen from Sarah Torn. Or Sarah Thorn. She yeah. is from Orvis. Hi, Sarah. And we oh, have no, she's one. not. Sarah Thorn is not from Orvis. Sarah Thesis is from Orvis. Hi, Sarah. 
I know Saratarn. Yeah. And we have a Damien uh, saying hi from New Zealand. So, like I said, we get people from all here. I think I'm uh, caught up with the hellos. Um, oh, actually, here's a Rosenda Guerrero. United Women on the Fly rocks. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hope to see you soon on our road trip. Well, here we go. Here's one. Uh, we have a hello from the Maldives. Right. Ah, we want to go there, right? Yeah. Um, but so, you know, it, it, back to the conversation and, and um, what do you think is for somebody who wants to get started in fly fishing? What do you think is like the best route to take? Oh, I say you start with a five weight and you go to your local pond, you catch bluegill or crappie on the fly and you use a terrestrial pattern so that means like a, an ant pattern a grasshopper pattern um, a cricket pattern something that if it falls in the water is going to be uh, fighting for its life and erratic in the water because when you first start you know you're a, you're you don't have all of the expertise on how to land your fly delicately, how to drift it the way it should be drifted, you know, how to strip it in a manner that makes it act like a bait fish, so to speak, um, if you're using a streamer. And so using a terrestrial is the best way, and that's a topwater where you can see the fish come up and actually take the fly. It's an exciting way to fish. You don't have to, um, you're going to be stripping in an erratic fashion anyways, so your fly is going to be doing what the bug would normally do if it falls in the water. And you don't have to aim at anything but the bank. So even if you get it, you cast too far and it gets up on the bank and you pull it back, it's going to fall and have a natural presentation off the bank into the water, which is what the fish are going to be looking for. Yeah, that's cool. For anybody who is in San Diego, like myself, um, where I did, what I did it with my son, right before I went to, uh, on a shoot in Montana many, many years ago, um, and I started fly fishing when I was a little kid and then stopped. So it had <laughs> been years and years and years since I fly fished, but in San Diego, there's a club, and it's San Diego Fly Fishers, as I recall. Um, and they do every every weekend at uh, Lake Murray out here, they do free fly casting lessons from the club members. So it, anybody in San Diego, it's a great way to get that first introduction and learning at least how to roll cast and, and the real basics of casting. So I think they offer a, a great service, uh, just trying to increase the number of people who are fly fishing. Um, I, um, I did have a question for you here and, and, and this is, you know, th there's, there's always, and we, we talked about this while we were walking the bank, um, about men's attitudes, uh, about fishing with women, uh, women on trips. Uh, I think I mentioned to you that there was, uh, I have a friend of mine who absolutely hates having women on fishing trips. Uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, it interferes with his being a, macho man. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I personally have always enjoyed having women on trips. I think it will take down the testosterone level of the men sometimes and can make it much more enjoyable. So I, I and, and I, I enjoy the company of women, funny enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go figure. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, there is that attitude and I'm sure you've seen it. Um, and, and I'm sure you have to, you know, take it in different ways on, based on how that attitude of that person is. Right. But do you, do you run into that often? Just people that are just um, negative about women fly fishing or women fishing? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I run into it often. I think that the vocal minority gives men a bad name in fly fishing and women's fly fishing in general. But I, I have come in across it. There was a time when I was going to um, supposed to help out at a Cabela's doing the Woman's Day up not far from my hometown in Wisconsin. 
And I went in the day before to make sure I knew what time I was supposed to be there and if they needed anything. And I walked into the fly shop and there was a guy behind the counter and he was teaching another man how to tie a fly. Not very well, but he was teaching him. And I thought, well, I'm just going to wait. And so I waited and I happened to be with my brother who was not a fly angler at the time. And as soon as he was done, he looked at my brother and he said, can I help you? And my brother said, no, but you can help her. So I told him what I was there for. And he said, oh, this must be for you. And he pulled a piece of paper off of the, the monitor for his computer that was sitting right there. And I started to read it. And it was my exchange with the woman who was managing this event. And it was an email exchange between her and I. And as I was, I started to read it. And then he grabbed it out of my hands and he said, wait, that's Cabela's property. You can't see it. And I was like, no, actually, it's not on Cabela's letterhead, <laughs> and it's my email string, so you can't see it. So I was like, no, I think I can see this. And I started to read it, and I said, okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow or whatever. And as I was walking out, he said to my brother in front of me, you know, I don't care if women fish. I just don't want them on my rivers. No, that's... And I was like, really? I'm there to volunteer. I came all the way from Chicago. It's like been a two-hour drive just for this event to help you guys out. So I marched my butt right up to the front and I asked for the manager and she came out and I told her what happened and she said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, he's actually from our stock room. The guy from fly fishing didn't show up today, so he said he knew about it. So he was filling in and I said to her, you know, it would be better to have no one in your fly shop than to have someone with that attitude. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, I, and I've run into that periodically, but not very often. I mean, we will get, I think in the five years that our magazine has been around, I've gotten two emails, both from men. One said, oh, wow, I'm a woman and I know how to fish. Get off your high horse. Okay. But you can have 10 ma male-centered magazines out there, right? And the other one just uh, took the time to set up a fake email address, send us an email, and said, um, all fluff, no, no technicality. You know, and I was like, all right, whatever. You know, but that's the only two times in the magazine's history that anyone has ever said anything negative. That's, For the that's, most part. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. they can't question it. I mean, it's a quality magazine. Uh, this guy has got a question here. Uh, you might know him. Uh, James Macbeth. Uh, <laughs> he, he says, hey, Jen, Hi, James. why did you start the start done? We kind of covered that. You must have tuned in late, James. Yeah, come on. Get on the ball. Gosh. Uh, James, you're going to have to watch the replay of it. But uh, Exactly. It to, I started it. I started it because, you know, guys like James, they needed to know that women fished and that we were legitimate anglers. I mean, I don't know if they have women anglers up in Canada. They do, by the way. And we've, had, we've published a lot of articles by them. But, yes, for guys like James, we made the magazine just for you. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, James is the marketing manager of Jackson Kayak. Um Let's see. There was uh, Michael says his wife is watching. She also has never fly fished, but it sounds so fun. You know, fishing is fun and there, there's every aspect of it, you know, uh, besides the frustration of fly fishing in general. But, you know, just being outside. Yeah. Um, and women make women make really great fly anglers because the cast, you know, unlike a conventional cast, which is kind of like uh, you have to have a little bit of strength for it. And it's I think I think using that bait caster with your thumb thing is a lot harder than fly casting ever could possibly be. And for me um, and for women, you know, because it's not about strength, any age, any physicality, you know, anyone, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in shape. You can cast that fly rod. It's a very small motion. Even if people that have rotator cuff problems can cast a fly rod. So it really is a great activity for women. 
Well, it's a, it's a great activity for anyone. And, you know, but, and, and, and women tend to be more patient anglers. I mean, I've, I've been on many a boat back in the day where the woman was the one catching the most or the biggest fish because she was not rushing things. She was a little bit more patient and, yeah. and putting in her time. I, I actually wrote down a question that I wanted to, to, to address with you. Um, because we see it so much, and, and as, as, a, as a, a true angler, a true female angler, how do you feel that the bikini angler mm-hmm. uh, affects you? Um, do you think it affects you know other women anglers' ability to be taken seriously? Of course, it does. You know, um, and, now, and now I have. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because there are times when it's 95 degrees outside and I'm fishing in a bikini top and a tank top. And, you know, maybe or maybe I just jumped in the water and my swimsuit came out, picked up my rod because I saw a fish, caught a fish. I'm not going to stop, put my sun shirt on over the top and sacrifice the fish, you know, the fish's well-being because I'm going to put my shirt on so that people out there will think that I'm a legitimate angler. And I think it's bigger than that. You know, for me, it's not really about what you fish in. It's about why you're fishing. And so we have something at the magazine this year called the Positive Policy 2018 because there's so many anglers out there, like we talked about earlier, that one are just doing it because they want to get in the industry. But, you know, we think about, we and most of the ones that are out there doing the bikini poses, I mean, our younger anglers, they're younger women, you know, and some of them honestly are not legitimate anglers. Their boyfriend has caught a fish, handed it to her so she can take a picture and get more likes on Instagram. But when you think about it, the younger generation, you know, I'm 50, so my my kids are millennials and that generation grew up with a cell phone in their hand. They know nothing except their presence online. When I was in high school, you know, I knew I was popular because I was on the cheerleading team, right? And I had a lot of friends. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't this social media stuff that's going on now. And so for, for my kids, they only know how popular they are by how many followers they have on Instagram or how many, what their score is on Snapchat. And so, I, you know, I've taken a, a little bit of a different turn in my opinion about this because I got to thinking about it from that generation's standpoint. And so, and, and I've done a lot of, like, I have a friend who studies the millennials as a, as a social anthropologist and as a psychiatrist. And, and, you know, he says things like this generation has a disconnect between who they are and what they do. So for me, if I would get drunk and dance on a table the next morning, I would be mortified that people would have seen me do that. But this generation, there are those out there that feel like, well, what they do, if they, they can get sloppy drunk and then it shouldn't say anything about their character. Right. And so for me, um, I, I give the kids, uh, the girls specifically, the younger generation, a little bit of a pass, not a lot, but a little bit of a pass because (laughs) they only have grown up with this thing in front of them online. And so I say, there's this little button. If you don't like what they're doing, it's called unfollow. You should just do that instead of saying negative things to them online, because that just makes you look bad. And negative. And, and so, I mean, I, I don't know, understand. I mean, I have a 25 year old daughter and I mean, I would certainly not be thrilled to, to be the dad of a girl who is doing that. Um, yeah. and be, mainly because it creeps me out because there's so many creepy dudes out there making disgusting yeah. comments. So, Agreed. you know, well, let's it, just it, talk about skin cancer too, right? 
I mean, you yeah. should cover up anyways when you're in the sun like that because it's dangerous. Right. Yeah. That's why I cover up. Otherwise, you would see me in a bikini too. Man, I would like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody would like to see that. <laughs> we would we'd be losing followers constantly. Uh, yeah, sorry. Jimmy, Jimmy Chang says, hi, Jen. What is the capital city of Portugal? Oh, come on, Jimmy. I don't know what the capital city of Portugal is, but I know you do. What is it? <laughs> what my car is that? making a weird noise. It's my car. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> um, we had a, so there was another one here. Uh, speak Spanish? Uh, si habla no espanol. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what uh, Mario has said, but I hope it's something nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to bring this up here um, and actually maybe I'll give it the whole screen. Uh, this is from the uh, done the magazine.com. Um, it is your, your website. And this is just a few of the covers so people can see that you, you do have an online presence, obviously. And a lot of these really beautiful photography on these covers. Um, if anybody uh, is interested, like I said, it's done the magazine.com. And I'll drop that back down. But I just want Thank to make sure everybody could see that. Um, what, do you, what? I mean, you get to travel all over um, as I do. Um, I, I do. You prefer freshwater, saltwater, or do you have a you know an area that you really just always want to go back to? Yeah, I I love saltwater fishing. I mean, I grew up fishing for bass on a small lake that I grew up on. You know, not with a fly, and then. Sorry, my, my car keeps doing some weird thing. Um, yeah, so I grew up on a, a lake, you know, just fishing just with a worm and, a, you know, dunking worms. But um, I love saltwater. I, I learned to fly fish for bass. And so, you know, trout has never really been my thing. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, no, but I like something that really wants to fight back. And so saltwater, tarpon, permit, you know, uh, bonefish. Well, you know how much fun those are. I have never caught a sailfish, but that's yeah. on my list. <laughs> yeah, those fish, those fish smoke um, smoke some line off the reel. I was very impressed with that one. That was definitely the biggest bonefish I'd caught. Well, of course, I've only caught about half a dozen to my name, if that. So, I mean, the, the speed that that little fish can put out, and, and saltwater fish in general are just so much stronger than freshwater. I mean, there are a few freshwaters. Are you frozen there, Jen? Jen has frozen up on us. So, um, Jen, if you can still hear me, you may need to refresh your page. Uh, and I can bring you back in if you refresh it. But at the moment, you are frozen. Um, but, yeah, the saltwater fish in general are so much stronger. Uh, saltwater fish are so much stronger than freshwater fish. There are some freshwater fish that are tough. Um, and I guess that's probably why with the appeal for some people it have with carp. Uh, because they are uh, a really tenacious, strong fish. Um, we've got some great questions here, but Jen is frozen for some reason. And uh, I'm just going to drop her down and, and take this back myself. And, and it looks like she's refreshing it. Um, so we'll bring her back in a minute. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys fly fish. I mean, for me, it is uh, a frustrating thing as there is to do. Uh, but... It's one of those that when you do hook up, it's for me, it's kind of like vertical jigging. It's so much work, but it, the hit on that, on when you're high speed jigging, the hit is like no other hit. 
And, um, you know, so you just continue doing it. Um, I want to say hi to my buddy, Ulf. Hey, Ulf, I'm having a grunion just for you, brother. Uh, and Jen is back, and I'll bring her back up. One, two. There you are. You froze Sorry. up on this for a little I bit. I know. I don't know. You know, it's living in the boondocks. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're uh, you're in Tennessee. You're not, uh, you know, so is Jackson Kayak. It's yep. part of Tennessee. Yep. Um, Potty Mullet, which is a nun de plume, um, has a question. He says, hey, Jim, Jim and Jen, what are some of the articles Dan has published that you are most proud of? That's a great question. That is. Yeah, we did a really great article on the otolith of steelhead in the Midwest, which was really interesting. Uh, a woman who was doing her graduate program uh, study in otoliths in steelhead can, could prove that, you know, we always think that when fish are born, where they are born, they go back to spawn to the same rivers. And she proved that they didn't. There were some players out there that would not go back to the same river. She could show every day of that steelhead's life through the ear bone. And I think that's just a fascinating, fascinating article. We also did an article by a woman who has an article in our summer edition that's coming out, um, a different article. But she, her name is Mari Kitagawa. She's from Japan. And she holds many, many world records. And she was born with a deformity on the left side of her body. So she, um, you know, really has a very limited use of her leg and her arm. And yet she would go because she wanted to fish so bad and she wanted to catch all these world record fish, she would get off the train every single day to work, a stop early and walk the rest of the way. And then on the way back, she would get off and walk the rest of the way to her house just so that she could practice walking and be more stable on the boat. And then she would go into her closet in the dark and she would practice stripping into a stripping basket so it would be second nature. She wouldn't have to think about it on the boat. And, you know, I think about that and I think, man, that is dedication to our sport right there. I mean, and we've done so many amazing articles from Iceland to, to Claire Carter, who fishes in Oman and owns Arabian fly fishing. Um, I mean, who thinks to fish in Oman? I mean, to me, I think of camels in the desert. I don't think of <laughs> three-spot pompano and giant trevally and huge yellow permit, you know, that kind of stuff. Is so, that on the Red Sea? Um, it's on the... the oh, I'm not I sure. I don't know if it is. I, I don't, don't have a map in front of me, but... Yeah, uh, I don't either. And I'm geographically deficient. I do not know where anything is. That's <laughs> My wife and I have a huge map in our uh, dining room of the world. And so, because I, it's the same thing. I can never think of where places are, so I always have to go check the map. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a That's cool me. way to try and uh, remember. Um, there was a, I don't even know what this this quite Gabriel Langley. Hey Jen, do you think an H three would make me a better angler? What's an H three? It's not going to make you a, a worse angler, that's for sure. So the H3 is the Orvis H3 new rod. I absolutely personally love this rod. Um, it it will make anyone a great caster because it's that easy to cast. Now, it's it's a bit pricey, but it's in line with the rest of the fly rods that are out there. But, yeah, I would say that that um, is one of the best fly rods on the market right now. What do you think is more important the, um, as far as the casting part? Obviously, it's not the reel. The reel is just a line holder. Right. Um, is it the rod? Is it the line? Because I know like, some line shoots better than others. Yeah. It's a combination of both, if you ask me, because you can pick up a fly rod and cast it perfectly, and then you put another line on, and you feel like somehow you lost the ability to cast. It's really important 
to match the line with the rod and match the line according to what you're doing. So there are cold water lines out there. There's warm water lines out there. And so if I take one of my lines that's made for fishing steelhead, even though it might be a, an eight weight, and I stick it on my eight weight and go down to the, to the Bahamas to fish with it, that line is not going to work in the warm conditions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I know that scientific angler had sent me some line uh, specifically for when we went down to Brazil uh, mm-hmm. for that really, really hot weather. Um, and that's another thing. It's like one of those things with fly fishing. It's like, man, you're changing out your line where it's like, you know, I might change out my leader, but yeah. I, you know, I'm still using the same braid on all my bait casters. And there's, there's a lot to think about. Um, there is. I, I, what, what do you think about um, matching the hatch? You know, I've seen that so much, you know, match the hatch, match the hatch. You know, I went, I went to Montana and I, I didn't match the hatch. I, I purposely went the other way and I was catching more fish than anybody because yeah. everything was, was, everybody was so keyed in throwing the exact same things that was matching the hatch. And I, I, I was throwing a hopper cause I could throw a hopper and, <laughs> um, and I kept catching fish. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think you're one of the fishiest dudes I've ever met. So I think there's a little <laughs> bit of luck and skill involved there. Oh, there's a lot of luck. Let's just say luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time I catch a fish, even to this day, I feel like I got lucky, right? Yeah. Uh, I did it all right. Yay. Um, no, so I I love, I, instead of match the hatch, which, you know, we talk about in fly fishing, we talk about the hex hatch or the, the giant, you know, drake hatch or whatever, where you have these big bugs and the fish are just gorging themselves on it. But for me, I've never been much of a match the hatch in that way type of angler, because if there's a thousand bugs on the water, how perfect does mine have to be in order to, you know, outsmart a fish that's seeing a thousand real bugs on the surface. Whereas, you know, I like to say when I talk about matching the hatch for myself, I kind of say it in this way, you want to be the bait. And so whatever you have on the end, you want to mimic a strip or a presentation that's going to match what that is. So if I have a minnow on the end of mine, I'm going to want to move that fly and strip that fly in such a way that it's going to mimic the bait fish pattern that I have on the bottom. Like if if I'm fishing in Lake Michigan for a carp, uh, and I have a sculpin pattern on. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna want to move that really fast as I would strip a streamer like a minnow. I'm gonna want to throw that out on a sinking line, let it get to the bottom, and then crawl that along the bottom like a sculpin would crawl along the bottom. So it depends on what you have on the bottom, on on your line. I think that's more important than actually matching a bug hatch out there. Now it is fun to see the bugs out there. It's fun. If you are only a top water angler, you like to fish with a dry fly or something like that. That is something that's fun, but you should just match what bugs are coming off the water. So if there's a huge hatch out there, I think for me personally, it's harder to catch fish that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of them. There's yeah. something different. Let me yeah. something different. It's like, wow, there's these, they're eating these little kind of tiny things. So I'm going to throw him something bigger and he's going to go, Hey, yeah. I'm going to eat that big thing. <laughs> exactly. Plus I really love to streamer fish. I mean, that's my favorite way to fish. So even if there's a top water bug hatch on top, you know, they're eating on top water. I still like to throw a big fly under the water and see what I can catch. I might yeah. not catch as much, but the ones I catch are going to be bigger. <laughs> so, um, because I am very good friends with Wes Siegler, and uh, Siegler reels, and you got a chance to see my Siegler fly reel, and I and I, I think you've talked to him maybe. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Since uh, what do you think of these things? 
I think, yeah, I think they're revolutionary, to be honest. That drag on that fly, uh, fly reel for big fish specifically is unlike any other. It makes it super easy. You don't have to think about, you know, taking your hand off to switch your drag or turning your drag on your reel. You can just, you know, move that, that lever or you can set that lever and it stays. I mean, it's, I love it. I yeah. haven't personally, I've only seen it at shows. I haven't had the chance to actually fish with it yet, but I, I know that you love it. And I know that everyone that I know that has one is just raving about it. I can't wait to try one. Well, yeah, you know, well, it, it goes back to the way I fish, you know, and what I've been using in saltwater forever, which is lever drags. So yeah. for me, it was a no brainer, you know, as opposed to the having to tighten your drag while you're on a fish, you know, on a big fish. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, this backstory, he basically designed that reel for himself to go catch GTs. Um, he will have, this is the medium fly. He has the big fly and he will have the uh, small fly at ICAST Can't uh, wait. this year. So um, I hope you'll stop by. I'll be hanging out there a little bit. So oh, yeah. we'll get a chance to see you It'll there. Be fun to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't remember what time we what at what point we kind of got hung up there, but I think I was asking if you had um, like a favorite destination. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's so many great places, right? Um, I really, I really, the best place I've ever fished and the place that I loved the most, I mean, the lodge and everything was just top notch, was Belcampo. I think they call it the Copal Tree now in uh, Punta Gorda, Belize. It's just so stunning there. It's like a farm to table lodge that you stay at uh you fish with the garbit brothers who are you know well known in the area um apart from that i loved the people of cuba um i loved the beauty of cuba uh the fishing you know could be difficult it was windy it's always windy in salt water it was a little bit more windy than normal because we were battling a hurricane at that point when i went down there but i mean Welcome anything to my that, world yeah right yeah i shoot <laughs> I don't know why you don't love to fly fish more, <laughs> um, but I love saltwater. So even like off of Naples in Florida is beautiful fishing just from the shore, you know, great snook fishing. But I will say that if I'm going to go to one place and catch tarpon at this point, it's going to be Tabasco, Mexico. Um, it's a very unknown place, but you will catch as many tarpon as you can, as you can cast to. It is a juvenile tarpon fishery where you can catch tarpon that are this big or tarpon that are 100 pounds in the same river system. Uh, you fish. Um, you can either fish up on top water. They'll eat on top water. They eat streamers. They eat clouds or minnows. I mean, it's just crazy. I brought a group of eight women down there um, a couple of years ago when it was brand new, brand new, brand, brand, brand new fishery. And um, they didn't. a lot of them had never fished saltwater before. Some of them didn't know how to double haul. And they caught so many tarpon that um, I put a bottle of tequila in the boat and they were supposed to take a shot when they uh, caught a tarpon. And I saw some of the women a couple hours later in the morning, a couple hours. And I was like, how's it going? And they were like, we caught so many fish that now we take a shot only when we miss a tarpon. <laughs> so if you, you know, tarpon is one of those things that can be really intimidating, especially if you're a fly angler. So a lot of people don't even think that they could even do it. But this place really takes away all of the intimidation that you find if you're going to be fishing for tarpon. Well, that's the thing is if you can go someplace where you get repetition, you know, um, yeah. that it, it you, you don't mind screwing up that one fish because 
you know right. you're gonna get another shot. And it's kind of the same principle I have. Like I take clients that are beginners to kayak fishing. I take them in San Diego Bay because I tell them, you know, I go to the bay to go catching. I don't go there to go fishing. We just catch fish. But it gives yeah. them that repetition of dealing with the gear, moving around right. the kayak, and and all that. And the same is true. You know, I imagine with, with, you know, catching a big fish on the fly like that, if you haven't caught the first one and knowing how to deal with it, and if you are having to adjust drags and everything else, uh, I imagine that's an issue. And Jen has frozen on us again. Um, refresh again if, if it doesn't come back, Jen. Uh, Richard Moyola, um, enjoy the wine, Jim. I will enjoy the wine, Richard. Thank you so much. I, I I'm sorry that you made an error by putting the wrong um, address on the wine, but if uh, if I have to drink it, I will do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my part and and drink that wine, and my wife and I will enjoy that. So thank you so much, and thanks for the the first wine you sent to us. I really appreciate that. Um, while we're waiting for Jen once again to refresh, and it's kind of weird how she just kind of freezes up all of a sudden. Um, again, it is donethemagazine.com if you want to see what her magazine is all about. Um, we are, she has said she's going to give away a couple of uh, subscriptions to the magazine. So anybody who does comment during this will get the opportunity to, um, to win a subscription to the magazine. Oh, wow, that's really bad. Totally. I had to drop you out there, Jen. It was just pure static. Um, I don't know what was going on. I can try and push you up again. And we'll try this one more time. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> try and refresh again, Jen. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know if you guys all heard that, but uh, in me, to me, that was just pure static in my ears when I brought her up on screen. So anyway, she's offered to give away some subscriptions to the magazine. So those of you that have participated in this conversation, we will uh, do a random drawing for that. And of course, if any of you guys have any questions um, now or later, put them in the thread and we will um, we will uh, try to answer all those questions for you, whether it's now or later. Um, and I will throw this out one more time. Uh, I, I asked at the beginning, if you can, please share our posts and share our page. We're trying to grow the, uh, grow. I would love to hit a hundred thousand followers of our page. Um, because in reality, Facebook get, get, sends our shows out to our page out to about 2% of our followers. So you need to make sure that we show up at the top of your, your feed, but you know, I'd love to get us over a hundred thousand. We're at, uh, 92,000, something like that right now. So, um, you know, like I said, we'd love to grow that and get, uh, the more, the more followers we have, the more sponsors you can get, the more cool people we're going to have on here. And that's so, um, like I said, I really appreciate it. Potty mullet. Um, a question for either Jim or Jane, any tips on fly fishing from a kayak? Um, it really helps if you have a good kayak for fly fishing that you are comfortable standing in. Um, if you have a kayak that's not, it's a good idea. What mo most guys do with their kayaks is they will clear the deck, make sure there's nothing hanging up on the deck that will catch lines or anything like this. Here's Jen. We're going to try one more time, but, um, yeah, so make sure your deck is really clear. 
Uh, Jackson Kayak makes a kayak called the Mayfly, which is a fantastic um, fly fishing platform. He designed that specific for fly fishing. So there isn't anything that's going to catch your lines. Uh, there's great rod stagers on there and everything else. Jen, I see you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And there's no, there was so Hallelujah. much static. I, I, I don't know even what. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. What can I say, right? Yeah, yeah, like so you I love that you're a, talking about the Mayfly because that's the kayak I have. And I love that thing. For fly fishing, yeah. it is the easiest to, you stand up in it, you sit down in it, it's stable. I mean, in the Bahamas, I don't know if you remember, but when I was fishing with James, uh, a big shark, like, spooked right in front of my kayak and, like, pushed my kayak. And I didn't even worry about falling out. And my friends call me the, the fly fishing bill dance. So I fall out of everything. And I did not fall off that kayak. Well, we put you on the kayak and... Um... I mean, it was literally, you were on the kayak 15 minutes and you were standing in it. Yeah. And so, I mean, that shows what a, what a great stable platform is. It is particularly for fishing the flats and for fishing the lakes. And I mean, you're not going to paddle 20 miles in that boat. It's not made for that. But for the type of fishing that we were doing, I mean, it really is a nice platform. And that's the key is finding the right boat that you're really comfortable in. And if you're not, like I said, if you're just going to use any old kayak, just make sure, like I said, you eliminate as many snags off the deck as possible because if you fly fish you know that fly fish likes to catch on everything yes. particularly right when you see that fish you need to cast it that's right that's right it's like one uh, of those things let's see uh, there was a couple questions here um surge says i have an eight weight fly rod that i got for salmon fishing what other freshwater fish can i use this for oh you can use it for bass you can use it for carp you can use it for lake trout. You can use it for, um, shoot, you can use that for anything in freshwater that's going to be a big fish. You know, you, it's not going to be your trout rod. It's not going to be a small bass rod. It's not going to be a small river, small lake rod, but that's going to be perfect for open water, like if you're in the Great Lakes or whatever, you know, steelheading. Uh, you can use, you. in fact, that's actually what you would use on your bigger rivers, like in Michigan, where you would be on the Muskegon and fishing big water for big steelhead. Um, Lake Michigan, the south end of Lake Michigan for big carp, or up in the Upper Peninsula by Beaver Island for carp. Um, that's my, that's one of my go-to rods. I've been and told, I'm going to Sweden here in a couple of weeks and we'll be fly fishing up there. And I've been told an eight or nine weight for the big pike they get up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can fish for pike with that. You can fish for small musky. I wouldn't fish for big musky with an eight weight, but you know, an eight weight is a really pretty hefty, versatile rod. Yeah. And remember, you can always fish a little bit lighter versions of things a lot of times when you're in a kayak, because again, the kayak is drag. That's true. Um, Jen, a guy's asking, uh, where is your favorite place to bass fish in Tennessee? Kentucky Lake. It's my home lake. I live in the land between the lakes. So Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley are in my back door. And But Kentucky Lake, I love. There's just so many big bass there. And, you know, they can be challenging. So it's such big water that they aren't always where you would expect them to be, which adds another level of, you know, mystique and fun when you're fishing for them. Uh, Janelle Fannin asks, uh, ask Jen if she would suggest an inflatable kayak to start out with. Hmm. Actually, uh, you know, for me, I would say no, only because I would suggest a kayak that is going to be stable. 
especially for you, Janelle. I know that you almost killed yourself out there on the water one day in a kayak and your partner. So you probably would want the mayfly or maybe you might want two mayflies tied together just so they're even more stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, no. want ultimate, if you want ultimate stability, they have the big rig and that thing you can literally stand up and dance on. Uh, but the mayfly is pretty close to that too. Uh, the reason I would say not the inflatable uh, mainly is because you you lose the standability because you always are going to have that flex in that. And for fly fishing, being able to stand really, really helps. I mean, I, I can fly cast sitting down, but just that extra height really helps. Uh, I've never been a big fan of hooks around inflatables. Uh, although yeah. the, qual- yeah. the, qual- the quality of inflatables is, is, has changed a lot now. They're much tougher, but the other thing is if you are going to be in any place that's windy, uh, they're much more affected by the wind and are not going to paddle as well as a, um, as a rigid hull uh, roto-molded kayak. So personally, really? I, would, I would stick to the roto-molded. Unless, you, I mean, you know, you, you use what works for you. If you have storage limitations, if you don't have any way to transport a kayak, you know, the inflatables are great, you know. So yeah. find what works for you. But if you, if you don't have those limitations, I would still go with a roto-molded. Yep. Good advice. Uh, Bob is saying success all clear. Thanks for being diligent and not quitting. Yeah, we're going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> James Macbeth is now saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi again. <laughs> hi, James. Hi, James. If you guys haven't seen, uh, and we have a link to it on uh, our Facebook page. James and my videographer, Will, did a, uh, a little comedy video about uh, the start of the season in Canada. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Check it out. It, it's definitely uh, worth a laugh. Eric Lorenz, my friend from Germany. Uh, yeah, Northern Pike. Uh, I, I'm going to Sweden, man. You're going you're gonna to meet me in Sweden when I, when I head out there in a couple of weeks? I'm going to hang out with uh, Ulf for a couple of days, and then we're going fishing with Gunnar. It'd be cool if we could see you. Um, where is... Uh, James McBeth asks, what is your favorite fly to tie? And that's for people who didn't catch that at the very beginning. Jen started out tying flies, not fly fishing, uh-huh. which yeah. is kind of a, a, a kind of a backwards way of doing things. But it was just a little hobby you got intrigued by or something. Yeah, it was like really, really cold. I was working at the University of Michigan. And it was really cold one winter. And I'd just broken up with my boyfriend and was looking for something to do. And I'm not the type to like go out and take a crochet class or something like that. This is not who I am. And I saw a fly tying class and I thought, huh, that sounds interesting. Honestly, I didn't even know what it was, but it was really cheap. It was like 85 bucks for six classes or 65 bucks for eight classes, something like that. And I thought, well, if I go and I don't like it, I just won't have to go back and I haven't spent like $500. And so I went to the first class and I just, I fell in love with it. So yeah, I started tying flies before I started fishing. Um, My favorite fly to tie would be uh the hot flash minnow we actually have a video of it of me tying it up on online you can just google hot flash minnow but it's really simple but it's so effective that you can change up the color patterns and this fly just like moves around every kind of structure and just mimics a, a small bait fish pattern or a large bait fish pattern if you tie it in an articulated streamer and so I, that's absolutely my favorite so um Hot flash minnow, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because I was asked to speak at a, the Michigan Fly Girls event when the me- magazine was really early on in its infancy days. And um, I had t- 
taken a fly casting class from them. It was an all-woman's class, and I think that's really important. When you're first starting out, if you're a woman, it's intimidating anyway. So when you offer an all-woman's class, especially for casting, more women are apt to come. And I did. I would have never taken a class if it wasn't all women. And I'm a really strong, like, opinionated woman. And so usually I'm not intimidated, but for whatever reason I was. And um, so they asked me to speak about the magazine and to tie a fly. And so I created this fly for that. And it was, you know, they were all like, you know, middle-aged women, you know, older women. So I thought a hot flash minnow would be really funny. It's appropriate for today because I'm sitting in my hot car, so it doesn't make noise. And it's like 90 degrees outside. So I feel like I'm having a hot flash. (laughs) Spending a few moments in the tropics here. Yeah, you're, you're glowing. (laughs) Yes, right. We'll call it that. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Hancock says, if I were fishing Yellow Creek this week in southern Stewart County, Tennessee, what would be your go-to fly choice? A small clouser minnow in probably yellow and white. Hi, Jeff. Jeff is my neighbor here. Oh, very cool. Um, (laughs) clouser, Clouser minnows, man. They just... They work in salt water. They work in for all kinds of stuff, don't they? They do. They do. Um, Eric Lorenz, my friend again, he's saying when. I assume when I'm going to be in Sweden. I leave. Uh, I will be there the 17th uh, of this month through the 3rd of the following month. So I'm going to be there a little while. I'm going to spend a couple of days in Karlskrona with Ulf. And then we're heading up north with Gunnar uh, to Mora. I think is what it's called. And we're going to be doing <laughs> some pike and um, Arctic grayling. So I, I will definitely, I'll be bringing conventional gear as always. And I will bring my fly gear. And that's a tip. If anybody is thinking about getting into fly fishing, the tip that I always say is bring your conventional gear with you too. Because when you get to that frustration point and if the wind comes up and you're just starting to lose your mind, it's nice to be able to grab the rod and the equipment that you know and you're comfortable with, make some casts, go back to having some fun. And when maybe the wind dies down a little bit and, and you've relaxed a little bit, then go back to throwing the fly. Otherwise, you will just drive yourself nuts, which I did in, <laughs> in, in Belize. It was I was just driving myself crazy. So that's my tip. If you're going to get into fly fishing, always bring your other gear, your backup gear. It's a good, that's a good tip. Um, Abby says, I'm moving from the North Carolina coast to central Michigan. How is the Grand River? I'm excited to fish it. However, freshwater fishing isn't something I'm extremely familiar with. Any tips? Ah, yeah, it's great water. You, in fact, in central Michigan, you're going to have so much great water around you uh, and so many really cool women anglers as well. Uh, you should send me an email. I will connect you. But yeah, so I would say that's going to be trout water over there. You're going to love the small little brookie trout. You're going to love the big brown trout and, of course, rainbow trout. Um, Michigan is where Trout Unlimited started, which makes sense because there's so much trout water there. So I love to throw something called a yellow fox there. It's a small streamer that imitates a brown trout. And if you like to streamer fish, that's going to be your go-to. Very cool. I put your... uh website address up there i'm sure she could reach you through that right yep she sure can awesome awesome uh we have a hello from charles levi that was chuck from our trip um so hey chuck how are you Hi, doing, chuck. Uh, i think we're gonna see you at icast as well it's always a uh, great place to see old friends and catch up with people at icast 
sure. Um, but what's the name of the fly show that goes on concurrently? I mean, it's at the same time, same place. ICAST and IFTD. So oh, IFTD I, uh, is at the same place. Okay. International Fly Tackle Dealers. Yeah, for people who are in, it's, this is an industry-only show. You have to be in the industry to get in. But if you are in the industry, they are fantastic shows. And um, yeah, uh, where's your favorite place to fish for big pike and your go-to fly to hunt them with? Mm. Uh, I, I will tell you my, not fly fishing, but the place that we had the most insane luck on big northern pike was at um, Minor Bay Lodge in northern Saskatchewan. Um, we had three and we, we weren't fly fishing. We were throwing conventional, but we had three anglers fishing. Um, and we did so well the first day that the second day we had will start counting the fish. Yeah. Each, each of us caught over a hundred fish in one day of big northerns. And this was a seven day shoot by the third day. Our cameraman was fishing. Wow. Because he, He's just like, yeah, unless you catch something ridiculous, leave me alone. I'm fishing. <laughs> and he doesn't oh, get that opportunity it. that much, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. For me, I love to pike fish in uh, Lake Wabagoon, which is up Lake Wabagoon and Lake Denoric, which is outside of Dryden, Ontario. Dryden, Ontario is about two hours straight north and 502 out of International Falls, Minnesota. Uh, and for me, I like a really big deer tail articulated streamer that pushes a lot of water, but sheds a lot of water when you pick it up to throw it. Well, that's, that's important, right? Mm -hmm. um, Siegler reels. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's Wes says, I love hot flash minnows. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, let's see. Sean Russell, demo, 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 the kayak you're thinking about buying first. Also, if you think about fly fishing, out of your kayak, I would suggest bringing a fly rod with you and cast it a few times, but please demo the kayak before you spend your money. That's always a good idea, uh, not just to take the kayak out and paddle it, but bring some stuff with you and um, and move around on the kayak and make those fishing motions, you know, to make sure that you are comfortable, not just in sitting in it, but doing those things, standing up and, tr and casting and everything else. That was a, that's a great tip, Sean. Yeah. Um, and I always think when you're first going to start to fish out of a kayak, it's always helpful if you go out on your on your lawn and you sit down in the grass and you cast. If you cast from that sitting position, you're much more comfortable than casting from your, especially with a fly, casting from your kayak. Because, you know, your cast, you have to really be careful about your back cast. Because a lot of times, you know, if you're standing up in a boat or you're fishing from the shore, you can drop your back cast. <laughs> it's so strange how she just freezes. Um, Jeff Bell says, first time viewer, good info, great show. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Are you back, Jen? Yep, You're I'm back. back. I didn't know I didn't know I was gone. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you froze up halfway through your uh, uh Fly South is saying, Jen, what is your favorite fly shop? Oh, and she froze up again. Probably she was gonna say something really nice about Let, your fly. Lost it. Oh, you're back, kind of. You're frozen, but... Did you hear me? I can hear you. There, you're back again. Sorry, so, I'm sorry. Fly South so, is obviously my favorite. <laughs> it, it, it would have to be. Do they carry your magazine? They do. They were the first shop to carry my magazine. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's, yeah. You always remember those things. 
That's right. Um, Chris is saying hello from the Upper Midwest Council, Chris Vincent. And Charles is saying, and it looks like you are frozen again. Charles is saying line management is super important. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about line management and having a kayak that allows good line management where you're not snagging it. That's, that's really, really important. Um, Jen, we, believe it or not, this hour has, again, flown by. These shows always do. I, I can't thank you enough for, for sticking with us and putting up <laughs> with these about that. difficulties. Yeah. Um, again, it's donethemagazine.com. Um, and I will, um, I will draw the names of people that uh, you have offered to give away some subscriptions to the magazine. Uh-huh. And then I will get those to you and then you can communicate with them. Um, But I really appreciate you driving out to a place where you had better signal and for, you know, sticking up with the the technical issues there. Everybody who joined us here today, I thank you for being here. Uh, It's always fun. I don't have a guest scheduled for next week yet. um, So I will keep you posted on that. And we may do some random ones as I tend to do. Um, But If you're going out fishing, just remember, always wear your PFD and keep your paddle right side up. Take care. Well, thanks for uh, joining us this week on Kayak Fishing Tales. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Jen. If you have any comments, please put them down below. Give us a thumbs up if you like the video and make sure you subscribe to Kayak Fishing Tales. Uh, If you want to see these videos live, join us each week on the Kayak Fishing Show with Jim Salmon's Facebook page. Take care.